Hey there, this is Matt Leggetti, your favorite comic book yeti. Did you know that if enough people listen to this podcast, advertisers give us money? Money we can then use to, say, pay our journalists. It's wild. Totally unrelated, we make this podcast using Anchor by Spotify. If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Even Grant can do it, and he's a grandpa when it comes to technology. Love you, Grant. Let me fill you in on what some of us in the industry call reasons to believe. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcast, and more and they make it super easy. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor's totally free, which is great when you're, say, a comic book journalism website who lives on donations and boyish charm. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's anchor.fm. And hey, I love you. You are listening to Into the Comics Cave with your host, comic book heartthrob, Grant Stoy. Hello, uh, I'm bad at openings, so thank you for tuning in. I'm Grant, and uh, today with me we have a bit of a renaissance lady, because writing, editing, uh, raccoon aficionado, mm-hmm. uh, tea drinker, yes, uh, yeah. All these things, cat petter. Yeah, uh, pun appreciator. Pun like appreciator. you know, uh, fun fact: a, a, a website that I handed my bio in changed pun appreciator to likes bad jokes. They <laughs> rewrote that. So that's a reply. Oh fuck you! Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, but this really is feel about puns. This is stephanie cook hello stephanie <laughs> if all of that didn't already tell you who i was <laughs> hi that's me thank you for having me yes no problem uh it's you and your cat i wanted both of you it's true i'm wearing a raccoon onesie she's mm. wearing her fur <laughs> i guess does that count as a onesie it's a cat uniform yeah i guess it's like a uniform that you can't take off or you can, but you don't want to. Oh my god, what has happened? I'm so sorry. I was like so normal for like an hour before this. No, this okay, is not. We're normal. just getting into the is this fucked up part real early. So Jesus, oh my god. But let's let's do this. Ready? Let's I want to know, Stephanie Cook. Uh oh, where'd you grow up? Oh, well, I was technically born in Toronto, Canada. Uh, but then I got hit by a car when I was three. And so my parents were like, the city isn't a good place to raise a child. Let's move to the middle of nowhere. Where is the middle of um, nowhere? I moved to this very small town called Lansdowne, Ontario. And my first memory of it was, again, coming from Toronto, which is like the nice, polite New York. And, um... (laughs) we got to the country and I remember my parents just started waving at like people that we were passing. And I was like, who is that? And my dad said, I don't know. And 
that was like my first introduction to like living in the country was oh just gosh. like people that you don't know waving and like being friendly. So we lived in a town of about like a couple hundred people. Uh, there was like a farm at the end of my street, like a full fledged farm with cows and like pigs and the whole deal. And um, it had a post office where I caught the bus and um, a grocery store at a library which also was the grounds for the annual Lansdowne Fair. So um, it had pretty much nothing whatsoever. How would you describe life in Letterkenny then? So this is- Oh my God, it's <laughs> triggering is what I would say. <laughs> I watched that show and mm, I just, mm, uh, it's so horrifyingly familiar and um I think like especially like my high school years when I kind of I wasn't always kind of like integrated like in the community like I had a few friends and stuff but in high school I started hanging around with more of like the locals and stuff and like okay there was I'm like trying to like there's so much to tell there's so much to tell but there was like this tv show there was a reality show based on somebody I knew and again these small county fairs are like a big thing in Canada. I think they're a big thing in the United States too. And like mm -hmm. demolition derby is like a huge oh, yeah. thing. So my high school boyfriend and his friends would build demolition cars for this. And so there was this reality show that wound up getting filmed for this channel called TLC. And oh, okay. or was it TLC or was it something else? Maybe it was something, it might've been something else. It was basically called, what was it? Crash Addicts, I think. And it was about my town and these guys that built these cars and like then like competed to destroy them. And like, I would send it to people and be like, yeah, this is my town. And be like, oh my God, people aren't like this. I'm like, I straight up know that guy. Like I know him. Very small town, very rural. And Letterkenny is like, horrifyingly real to me <laughs> it's it's not very funny when it's basically like looking into old home movies it's so funny but then it's also like i'm like that emoji of like the crying but with a smile like i'm mm. like it's funny but it hurts <laughs> um like that's my egg hall oh it's very painfully real so yeah so how, how long were you in lonsdale Lansdowne. Lansdowne. <laughs> For anybody who's in Toronto, there it's like the station, Lansdowne Station, but a town. There's more people at the station than the city. Oh so anyways, I lived there from about like four until I went to college. So oh, wow. uh, I left home around 17 or 18. So I lived there for a real good chunk of my life. <laughs> yeah. So there was like... I was going to say, oh. I know some people are probably thinking that we've glossed over the hit by the car part. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, me and my mom have, like, I will say, an interesting relationship. And even at a young age, my mom would say something and I did not want to listen. She'd be like, Stephanie, don't cross the road. It's for your own good. And I was like, nah. And uh, I ran into a car and I was three. So I was fine. 
I don't really know that much about that. Like I don't have any scars or anything from that. The only scar I have from my childhood realistically is like a big scar on my lip and it's from a cat. So no, that's, you would think the car would have left more damage, but yeah. in fact, a cat did. Well, maybe it was the cat that was driving the car. Maybe. It was real mad at me. It wanted its, like, alone time back. So. So I'm really curious now. You are finishing high school in Lansdale. You're like, it's time for me to blow this popsicle stand. Like, what are your thoughts about where to go next? Yeah, that would always, that was always kind of in my mind, like, predetermined. So first of all, for context, Lansdale did not have a high school. <laughs> so the, the there's a town about 15 minutes away called Gananoque, which is home of the Thousand Islands, which is a very big-ish tourist spot. Um, <laughs> there's a high school there, but we don't want to go there because it's where you go and never leave. Uh, so I went to Kingston, which is about 45 minutes away. Oh my gosh. Um, but if you're taking a school bus, it's about an hour and a half to two hours a trip one way because everyone's stopping and you have to like so I would catch the bus at 6 30 in the morning and I was the second person on the bus after my friend Josh who lived on a farm just outside of town so we would then take the bus all the way into the city and arrive just before around 8 8 8 15 and start school so from there I'd always known I had family in Toronto still my parents and I had moved out to the middle of nowhere, but I had family there and Toronto to me was the pinnacle. It was like where everything was happening. It was glamorous to me. It was interesting to me. Again, Canada's New York. So it was just alluring. It was always my plan, like as far back as I can remember to go to Toronto when I could. So I knew if I didn't go to college, that was like not going to happen. So I knew I didn't want to be like a rocket scientist or, you know, I knew I had to get good enough grades, but I didn't have to kind of go over the top. So mm-hmm. I found a nice sweet spot, you know, yes. and uh, <laughs> uh, my parents sent me to tutors because like I was like with math. I'm like, I don't need math. And so I just kind of gave up on it. And my parents were like, oh, no, we have to send her to a tutor. And I went to a tutor and they were like, oh. Yeah, she's actually fine. She totally gets this. She just doesn't care. Like, <laughs> that was basically what the tutor had decided. They were like, she's fine. So, yeah, I knew in order to kind of get away from the small town, I needed college. So I went to Toronto and I went to this town, um, this college called Humber College for advertising and graphic design. I've lived like 20 lifetimes. Like, I've done so many weird things in my life but we were just talking about working in radio and all these other things so you know I had been co-oping at a radio station and I was saying to Grant earlier you know I didn't know what going to school for radio was going to teach me that I wasn't already having a hands-on experience like why would I pay somebody when they're paying me like that seems counterintuitive uh so I was like I'll try something else I'll try advertising and graphic design And um, I wound up dropping out after a year, but I will say that gave me like 
Photoshop skills. I had art classes. They taught me anatomy. Funnily enough, there was a comic book like anatomy portion to that class. And they taught us exaggerated like gestures and poses and all this like other stuff too. And I they, they taught me like typography, which is like lettering and all of these things that at the time I was like, yeah, I'm not going to stick with this wound up really coming into play for me like years later. But that's it's really funny. kind of just like funny how life takes you in these strange places, but like your experiences often come back into play in some weird way that you didn't expect. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's so weird. Right. But typography was like weirdly my favorite course. Like it was so neat. And like, I was just like so baffled by like how much I loved like lettering and like the kind of just entire art of it and uh I didn't really think anything of it obviously again until comics came back into my life and yeah life is strange kids a uh, great game also uh <laughs> when did when did the allure of comics find you uh so like I'd been reading comics for a long time but again I lived in a small town so I grew up with like things like Archie comics right and so we would go into Gananoque we'd go to the grocery store there and if I was good and because my parents did not want to listen to me talk for the rest of the ride back they would get me an Archie comic and so I would sit in the car quietly it was like best of both (laughs) worlds like you know I was happy they were happy everybody Um, wins everybody wins so that was kind of where I first started but I also was in the era of kids that grew up with Batman, the animated series, X-Men, the animated series. And while I didn't have access to those comics, those shows were iconic. They still are. Mm -hmm. And so in addition to those, which brought me into the world of Marvel and DC later on in my life, my best friend who was also an only child, she was deeply into manga and anime. And we had like been watching, like she... I don't even know how she got these things. We grew up in the same place. She just like, (laughs) I don't understand how she was so much better connected than anyone else. But she would get the like original dubs of the Studio Ghibli movies. Like she would get all of these like cool things. And so she introduced me to Studio Ghibli and, you know, Kiki's Delivery Service. And I remember watching Princess Mononoke with her. And she would introduce me to video games and all these like cool things. And she would buy manga and then she would let me borrow her manga and so I was into the things that she was into so I went from like Archie comics and again like X-Men and you know Batman to manga and then had this love for like anime too and she would always just like find and this is like again in the era of like Napster and LimeWire and like AOL internet but she would find videos like of like anime that weren't available here and we would watch like these things like we'd watch dragon half and like all of these like other random things that escaflone was airing on like ytv this kid station at the time and you know we were just so into it it was so cool it was so grown up in a way yeah. that you know other kids tv shows they didn't always talk down to you, but they weren't really, they didn't have that kind of grit to them, you know? And then there was like something like Escaflonian that comes along. And obviously we were also deeply into Sailor Moon and um, card captors too. 
I actually gave these away recently. I had, and again, Carrie had these, I don't know how she got all these things. How and, do you uh, not know yet? This is, I'm like very deeply upset. Well, I kind of like, they were very well traveled. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but like, you know, it's just like when you grow up in a small town with somebody, it just like seems very worldly when they can get these things that like you can't kind of get anywhere else. But we had trading cards for Sailor Moon and card captors that were like the actual like Japanese cards and oh, wow. all this stuff. Yeah. I actually recently, I had my collection and then Carrie sent me all of hers because she was like, Stephanie here. And then I didn't know what I was going to do with them anymore. And I actually like last year sent them all to Trungles, you know, like the artist Trungles, because like we had been talking about it. And I was like, I feel like you will appreciate these more than me. Like they're a fun kind of like artist inspo for you. So I packed up a big thing and sent him all of my card capture and Sailor Moon cards. Oh, that was really nice. Yeah, so they eventually made their way to him. And so you're you're into anime and manga, and when did you start yeah. saying, I want to make this stuff? Weirdly enough, not until that long ago. So I've been in the industry for probably like over a decade or so now. In like, I was, I podcasted, I would, you know, I worked on like, websites. I was like an associate editor at like a comic book site. I ran an entertainment website. I did, again, two podcasts, a weekly podcast for like four years and uh, two weekly podcasts actually. But um, yeah, I, I was doing all these things. I was writing about comics. I was reading comics constantly. I was helping people at like conventions and doing all this stuff. And people would be like, oh, you're a writer, right? And I was like, well, like I write, but like I just kind of write like news stuff, you know, like write reviews. Like I don't write creatively, but I always had loved writing creatively. I wrote stories all the time. I wrote for myself, but somewhere along the way, I had learned that creative jobs weren't feasible. Like that is something that is like, whether you're, my parents didn't ever tell me to not pursue those things, but that is always the subtext with like, anywhere you go is like, this is not a feasible job. This is not something you can do as a career. This is not something you can kind of like do. And so I kind of had just accepted that. And so I did all these other other things kind of to fuel my soul, but I never thought they would be more than that. So I'd go to these shows and people would be like, you're a writer. And I'm like, yeah, but like, am I? And so I spent... <laughs> I spent you like arguing with people at your table. Oh my god, I did. I straight up did this. I remember there was one conversation I had with somebody who worked for DC at the time, and he was like, You look like a writer. And I'm like, I'm not. And then we had like this whole debate. He's like, But like you do write. And I was like, "Mm, but does that make me a writer? Like it was like so (laughs) dumb. It was so dumb. And um yeah. It, it, it's weird. We were at an after party one time. And again, this is probably several years into like, again, like me podcasting, me doing all these things. I'd networked. I would kind of just like hang out with people. I never wrote about, we're not summoning Rich Johnson here. Like I would never right. go and write about stuff. Like, you know, what happened at the show was between us. I was not crossing any lines. You know, I was there for those connections. And what I wrote about was the comics and that was it. And I remember I was at an after party and it was specifically a pool party. 
And um, a creator friend of mine was like, they were throwing around a ball and everyone was having like beach volleyball time in the pool. And he popped out of the pool like a goddamn mermaid and was like, why don't you write comics? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> He's like, well, I just want you to know that you know literally everybody. And if you don't write comics, that's really dumb. And then he just jumps back in the pool and continues playing like volleyball. And I don't even think he remembers that interaction, but it changed my whole perspective. And I was like, I do know everybody. I've like met all these people, like, you know, we're friends. And not that I was going to ever exploit those connections, but like right. I knew how the industry worked. I knew how to lay out a story. I'd spent years critiquing comics and what makes a good story, what, you know, makes a bad story, what, why am I not doing this? And uh, it changed everything. And yeah. um, I started writing out my ideas. I started making web comics and, <coughs> oh, I'm so sorry. No, it's fine. You are, you are, for viewers at home, viewers, because they're watching this <laughs> as a medium, uh, you are getting over a bit of something. So there's yeah, required mystery. and horking required. He um, actually just spat out a boot. It was incredible. I did. I did. <laughs> Basically, I knew whatever I first wrote would probably not want to be something published. It was not going to be good. But I knew I had to start somewhere. I knew I had to start crafting and honing my voice and figuring out how to tell stories with this medium. And uh, <laughs> I roped a friend into this, <laughs> an artist friend. <laughs> and... Uh, I wrote out what I was going to do as a webcomic. And I was like, it was called Catformers. And it was basically like mecha cats. But it was like a retelling of Die Hard with Catformers. They, they transformed into giant mecha cats. Okay. That means, <laughs> I thought you were going to say that they were very tiny robots. That transformed into like house cats. Oh my god, that would have been amazing too. But I convinced my friend to do this with me. We wound up not doing anything with it, but like I'm sure Dina, bless her, was like, Jesus Christ, Stephanie's <laughs> insane. What have I signed up for? And uh bless her, like she's amazing. But like it was, I still have it somewhere. I will dig it out someday and I'll show you. But so basically I started there. And then once I had kind of an idea of my voice, I wasn't sure what genres I really wanted to write. I knew what I enjoyed, but it was like, will I enjoy writing that? Will I enjoy telling stories like that? And I started applying to anthologies. So I got rejected from a bunch and it was really soul crushing. I was like, I'm a terrible writer. And uh, I wound up doing like a prose thing for like the secret loves of geek girls, which is so cringe. And I hate it now. Fun fact about that is, and she is problematic as shit, but Margaret Atwood was in that anthology too. Oh, wow. And uh, at the launch for that, I was so happy. I was like, this is my first published thing. Margaret Atwood came 
and we were all doing like a signing all of the like people who were Toronto based and Margaret Atwood kept trying to pay me for books and I was like I'm not the shop girl I do not work here I'm here because I'm signing a book I'm in and she would like not take no for an answer like she kept on like trying to give me money and eventually I just had to like take it and then take it to the cash <laughs> so at my very first signing ever Margaret Atwood my story is like two stories behind hers kept trying to just pay me for copies of the book that's wild <laughs> so on one hand cool i got to meet margaret atwood before she went all jk rowling and mm -hmm. um she did not understand that i was also in the book with her well, it's funny you mention that because we actually have her on the other line. Jesus to Christ. This. Oh my God. Uh, good times. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I again started like doing more anthologies. So that was like prose, which <laughs> here's a here's a tip for you kids. Don't put in placeholder names and then get too lazy to change them. Granted, I talked about this earlier where sometimes I was like too lazy to change things, but then sometimes those things don't get changed and they stay that way forever. Whoopsies. <laughs> Anyways, um, that's a good time. So from there though, the first comic story I ever wrote was about my grandmother and her coming to Toronto and how she wound up staying here after leaving home to rescue her sister from this bad marriage and how she wound up meeting my grandfather and like falling in love with him. So it's very tonally different from like a lot of like the other things that I do now. But yeah, I told this deeply personal story about my family, talked to my grandmother about this whole journey, and then did a 10 page short story in this anthology. Yeah, I kept on just kind of doing anthologies where I experimented with my voice and like soon after that I won a place in Mark Miller's Miller World Annual mm -hmm. and um, I wound up beating out a ton of people for the Huck story and I wound up doing um, that which was like bananas. I was at there's a the reference library in Toronto um, where TCAF happens and there's a cafe in there that is called Balzac's. <laughs> <laughs> and that's also where uh, page and panel is which is a wonderful comic book shop and um i was in balzac <laughs> having coffee <laughs> with my friend uh my two of my friends so i was brendan fletcher who is wonderful batgirl gotham academy mm -hmm. isola um just an astounding human being and my friend danny who designs like comic book like like merch and she was doing clothing and stuff at the time and I was having like a pre-holiday hangout with my buds and I was so rude but I remember being like I'm so sorry they're announcing the winners today like I just need to like check this and I remember looking at my phone and I was scrolling through Mark Miller's forums which existed still at the time yes and I didn't see my name and I was like oh I didn't get it and then like five minutes later, I was like, I'm sorry, I'm just going to look again. And I went back and I reread it and I saw my name. And the cafe was packed. 
and I got up in the middle of the cafe and like started like screaming. I was like, yeah! like I was like doing like a full on like freak out. I was like dancing. I was like, yeah! it was such a good moment. And that was like this really validating time to have like someone from like, I thought no one would want to write Huck because it's like not glamorous. You know, he doesn't have super, well, not he's not as like flashy as like other characters. And so I was like, I'll go with this character because maybe I have more of a chance if fewer people want to write about him. But it turned out to be the opposite. He had like almost double the amount oh, of gosh. stories that anybody else had. So I'd had to beat out even more people. So that's and even cooler. Yeah. So it was just insanely cool. And it was like this really validating moment. Like anthologies, I'm so proud of those. And it's hard to get into them. So many people apply. You know this. Mm -hmm. Like you get tons of applications and the process to whittle that down is ridiculous. How do you tell like so many people no and only a handful yes? And um, that was like really a moment where I was like, maybe I could do this. Like maybe this could be something you know like and uh yeah like it was a really incredible experience and uh I just like I remember that Mark Miller like kept on giving me this feedback he's like but what if you had an insurance agent and I was like what what are you talking about Mark Miller yeah he had it like three times and I was like I'm just gonna pretend I didn't see this comment and just not do this continually but I, I really love how the story turned out I'm still so proud of it so I, you stand yeah. atop a, a, a pile of your foes that you've overcome. Yep. And you are a talented writer. Why did you get into editing too? That was like, so the Toronto Comics Anthology was where I published the story about my grandmother. And <clears throat> the following year, they were looking for a lead editor. Um, Andrew, the guy who runs TO Comics, wanted to take a step back. And so he wanted to bring somebody on board to take over and kind of just like steer the ship. And I don't really know what possessed me, but I reached out to him and I was like, so that job. And um, I wound up interviewing for it and I got it. And editing wasn't something that I had necessarily envisioned doing along the way. I would help my creator friends if they asked me with a pitch and I would like give them advice and I'd give them feedback. But I don't think it was ever something where I was like, I want to be an editor until this job had come up. And I did the job, which, again, <clears throat> working on anthologies is just bananas. You know, there's just so much involved. But it scratched this itch that I didn't know I had. Okay. And um, I love seeing somebody's story and I love that moment where they've taken it as far as they can but like now their eyes have glazed over and they can't see what needs to change to kind of like take it from one thing to the next mm -hmm. and being able to kind of like objectively come in and be like oh here here's the thing and watching it come together and helping somebody put that missing puzzle piece in place is so rewarding in a completely different way than writing is. And I love both. Editing is a completely different skill set. But 
it's like problem solving and kind of just like sometimes being like a part therapist and all this other stuff too. But it it started as a way because I was like writing is not reliable as an income source. Mm-hmm. That is realistically <laughs> where it came from. I was like editing. I can probably find more editing work than I can writing work. And so it became a way for me to supplement like my side gigs and kind of like when I don't have writing, I'll have editing things. When I don't have editing things, I have writing things. And um, that's realistically where the idea to do both came into play. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hello there. My name is Don Cardenas, and I'm here to invite you to check out my podcast, the 2021 Grantee Award-winning Comics Coffee Medal, where I interview creatives in, around, and about the worlds of, you guessed it, Comics Coffee and Metal. I've already had such amazing guests on my show, including, but not limited to, Liana Kangas, Mike Norton, John O'Diener, Michael Conrad, Sophie Campbell, Guitar Max Carlisle, Andrew Baina, and of course, the word bros themselves, Bob and Kevin. Comics Coffee Metal is available on all the major podcast services, and you can find it directly at comicscoffeemetal.com. I hope to see you there, and now I return you to Into the Comics Cave with the amazing, awesome, talented, um, tall, handsome, uh, what else did I say? Definitely over six feet tall, smells good like lavender and motorcycle grease. Is that right? Motorcycle grease? Alright. Grant Stoy. There, I said it. You got my money now? That's I don't do short answers, Grant. I just don't. That's, that's what we've gathered. Because I have a question for you. What do you okay. think is weirder to think about in person? Uh, a Wookiee that's been shaved from head to toe? Mm-hmm. Or like a hut that's completely covered in like glossy fur. I hate both of those things. Yeah, but like I feel like a wookiee like there's like a a variation of wookiee that's like a sphinx cat. Like it's like, you know, like, oh, like really? that's where my mind's gone to where I'm imagining wookiees as a giant cat and there's a sphinx version of it somewhere that's just like got real cute mittens on all the time and like was that even answering your question i just like derailed that and was like here's here's my take on this so this is the nonsense portion of the podcast so this is cool cool cool. so i like that you're thinking about these emaciated wrinkly fleshy things Mm -hmm. but like like naked naked mole rat like yeah but what if because like wookies are strong right what if underneath their fur they're like grotesquely like cut? Is that better know. or worse? I guess we'll find out maybe someday. <laughs> when I write that comic. Um Attention, attention Marvel and IDW. New comic will. idea. Naked Wookiee. They'll be like, yeah, actually we've blacklisted you specifically <laughs> because of this. <laughs> uh yeah. So, because uh, with the the hut co- covered in hair, it's just uh, you gotta figure it's like an undulating sea. Yeah, I feel like... like that would be like a really chonky caterpillar. Like that would just be like 
I don't think that would be that jarring necessarily. Like the idea of the huts is like that they're like gross and goopy and slimy. And there's like this kind of like grotesqueness in the fact that they're like slugs, basically. If they have fur, they're just caterpillars. They're just chunky caterpillars. They have fur. They're Garfield. They're just Garfield. <laughs> oh my god. I have a story about that, but I'm not going to get into it. <laughs> I, 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 uh, well, because I want to hear the story, uh, we're going to go right to the five questions that we ask every guest. Oh. They're based off of uh, James Lipton's Inside the Actor's Studio. Oh no, okay. So, are you ready? Maybe. You sure? Uh, no, but go for it. Okay. <laughs> Number one, which I think is even more pertinent, finding out that you enjoyed lettering. Uh, what is your favorite comic book sound effect? Oh, none of them. Nobody ever prepared me in my life for how onomatopoeias would destroy my life. Like, you question everything when you're writing. Like, what does a door really sound like? What does a window sound like? Showers? Everything you've ever heard comes into question. And I, like, I'm on like 12,000 onomatopoeia forums Googling, what does a fridge door specifically sound like? I just never anticipated that my life would take this turn into <laughs> figuring out really specific sounds. So that's not like... I think, like, one of the classics, obviously, is, like, Wolverine's, like, schnick, like, snick. Like, I really like the way you drove forward really fast on that answer. <laughs> and then just jammed the brake and then reversed gears. Like, I hate every sound I, 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 I will hate them in a house and with a mouse. And then like, but you know, Wolverine does You that. know what? Uh, if I had to pick, I know. Uh, I don't hate the sound effects like <laughs> when it comes to lettering and seeing them on the page like Aditya Bitakar's sound effects where like they become like the explosion and it's like done oh, yeah. in the explosion and like I'm thinking of like a few he did specifically for like um Tate Bromble and Gabriel Walta's uh Barbalian which mm -hmm. were just incredible but it's like as a writer <sighs> sound effects like you just genuinely don't think about how you would have to write certain things out until you do. And the amount of times, the, the amount of time I've spent Googling what other people think things sound like is just. <sighs> so that's just going to perfectly segue into number two, which is what do you love about sequential art? Oh, my God. <sighs> well, I mean, first of all, what's not to love? Like, it's so freaking cool. And, you know, I just love seeing <laughs> your face. <laughs> You're like, how's she going to worm herself out of this one? Get out of this one. She's just been real angry all of a sudden. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Like, it's just magic to me. I think see especially like with collaborations like obviously there's creators that do everything themselves and those stories are incredible i'm in awe of people that can do it all um 
takes so much work. It takes so much talent and energy and willpower. Yeah. Uh, but there's something really magical to me about seeing somebody interpreting somebody else's script and bringing that to life and the way that the art and the story kind of marry to kind of just give you an idea of everything that's going on. You know, I have like two pages above where I'm sitting right now, one from um, the storm series and one from the enemy within at, you know, like, even without the dialogue, even without the captions, even without all that stuff, you still get this incredible sense of what's going on in these pages. And to be able to tell a story like that, even without the words to go along with it, is just a really unappreciated art form. Like to, to me, to me, thinking that people look down on comics is ridiculous. Like they just don't understand anything about art to appreciate mm. how your brain has to think to turn those words into these pictures. Number See, I hate three. things a little less. Well, get right back on that pony because number three is oh, what yeah. is something about sequential art that you hate? I'm going to add the caveat that's not sound effect. Oh, man. Uh, I genuinely think the fandom a lot of the time is that a cheat yeah. answer? No, no, no. That that works, especially nowadays after hearing about people like Stephanie Phillips getting in threatened. Like, yeah, and it's dumb. not just Stephanie, you know, like it's like Vita and mm-hmm. like Danny Ware and like all of these incredible creators that wanted to work on these books their whole lives and clearly love these characters so much. And people don't know, they don't understand that like if you don't want to read the comic you know gotta reread the old stuff <laughs> yeah and um you know i think coming into comics when i did you know, marvel dc image are kind of that pinnacle for a lot of people and somewhere along the way because of the toxicity of that fandom I don't know if you just heard my door open, but my cat just threw it open. I was actually going to say, was that your cat? And my cat just like enters a room and she's like, Ugh! like she throws a door open. She's like, I'm here. <laughs> um, but yeah, somewhere along the way, the appeal of working on characters, licensed characters really disappeared for me. Yeah. Um, that being said, like, I did just do a story for Archie Comics, which was really exciting. And it's coming out in February. Uh, and it's for their Love and Heartbreak anthology. And um, I'm doing a short story featuring Veronica and Dilton. And oh, okay. uh, Lisa Stirl's on the art. It's so cool. But, like, we got this email, like, last month where they're like, we're announcing it. Just so you know, some people might be really mad about the pairings. And you're going to maybe get comments online, not just to me, to like everybody. And I forgot that there was like, I forgot for like the briefest moment that Riverdale was like a thing, right? Oh, yeah. And so there's like this fervor for Riverdale. And um, one of the pairings in the book that I'm not writing, don't at me anybody, is Bughead, which is Betty and Jughead. But in the comics, Jughead is asexual. Yes. Thank so... You. 
Um, I'm not going to give away anything there, but I was like really panicked because I was like, oh no, people are going to be so mad and wrote about Dilton and Veronica. And like, I just forgot that Riverdale existed. So like all of the hate like immediately was like, bughead, what? And I was like, oh, I felt so bad for Thomas Patelli who wrote that, who's doing that story. He's not on Twitter. It's fine. But I was like, oh, phew, they're not mad at me. Like that was like my reaction. I was like, oh, it's fine. They don't care. So I'm really happy with that story. Lisa's art's incredible. Doing something for Archie has been on my bucket list. But also the anxiety I had like with the announcement was just like, oh no, are people going to hate my story because they have these like preconceived notions of who these characters are supposed to be? Uh, Are they even going to give my story a chance? And that's really like terrifying like it's fun and exhilarating to play with these characters and in these sandboxes and like as a writer it's fun to challenge yourself and do these cool things with these cool characters that have been around for decades and um it's just really sad though that we've gotten to a point where like the fans can kind of ruin that experience sometimes as much as they can be amazing and getting like a comment from like a kid on like like one of my graphic novels, like can make my entire like lifetime. Like a kid sent me a letter last year or like a handwritten letter. And I like cried. Like it was like the best day. Like I think they thought like, you know, it was like the best day of their life. And like, I can guarantee you that it doesn't even compare to how it made me feel, mm-hmm. you know? And um, those moments are incredible. But then the flip side of that is also toxicity. Yeah, which is horrific. So, Ooh. yeah, we don't love it. Uh, let's switch gears a little bit. Let's go number four. This is, what is your favorite curse word that's not a curse word? Oh, oh my God. I don't know. Okay, I write kids comics, so like I feel like I've gotten really good at just like cursing, but like not cursing. Yeah. Oh. I don't know, though. I feel like I say like things like, gosh darn it, a lot. Like, I feel like a cartoon character around my friends sometimes. And then, like, we'll go and play. We, we had this Christmas party. And, like, I feel like a lot of the time I've trained myself now since I've started doing, like, kids comic, like, press and stuff to, like, be like, oh, gosh, thank you. Wow. Gee Wilkers. <laughs> and then I'll go to, like, a party with my friends after that. And, like, I'll be like that for a bit. And then we were playing like flip cup at a Christmas party. And I just like berated the cup. I'm like, you piece of crap. I'm like swearing at the cup. I won. I killed, like destroyed everyone else at this party. I've never played flip cup in my life. But they were like, I think the secret is just like totally like yelling at like this cup. They're like, Steph's like, what do you do again? I'm like, I'm a kid's author. <laughs> I'm like, killed. That was a weirdly proud moment for me. I don't know why. Well, I was going to say, like, of all the accomplishments that you've listed tonight, the thing with the flip cup is the only one where you've legitimately flexed on. I know! (laughs) I've never played before, and I got into this, basically, it was like, I don't know if anybody's played flip, I'm sure you have, but, like, (laughs) I'd never played, and I had to face off, I got into the pool, like, immediately, and I was like, oh, I'm going to get eliminated right away. But I did it. I just kept going. And uh, yeah, 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 yeah. 
I want a real cool shower cap from a friend and some wine, but I don't drink, so I gave it away to my friend, and it was like a Christmas present for her that I didn't have to buy. Hell yeah. Yeah. Win-win. I got got Um, some bad news for you. What? So you were taking a nap. Oh, no. And a giant, fat, Jabba the Hutt-like cat wandered into your apartment, and it sat down on your face. And you no. died. Oh, no. I'm so sorry. Just to be clear, Jabba the Hutt's the caterpillar, and the Wookiee is the Sphinx cat. Just like, Correct. Get it, get it straight for <laughs> yeah, we, we don't want We don't want to mix them up. No. Anyway, no. on your face, mother to death. Uh, so I genuinely don't even remember. Well, I haven't got there yet. This is all just build up. Uh, and you get to what we assume is heaven. Krilla Gates. Oh, this was part of your spiel. I thought you were just telling me I died. Like, yeah, this is actually welcome (laughs) to the Matrix. Uh, And you meet a small man at the Pearly Gates, who's Jacob Kurtzberg, aka Jack Kirby, the the grandfather of American comics. Uh, What do you think he says to you? Oh God, I don't know. We're about to play flip cups. Do you have a party yet? <laughs> Could you imagine? You're on our team. That's, <laughs> that's what he said to me. Hmm. I don't know. You know, like, the nicest thing I think anybody ever kind of said to me when I first started coming to comics was I went to a convention in Saskatchewan, and um, I was in Saskatoon, but I hadn't really done anything. That's the birthplace of Gordie Howe. You're real educated. But I was there, and I had been dealing with a predatory, like, publisher, but I'd been, I was really hopeful it would pan out. It did not, reader. Uh, But I got to hang out with Tom Grummet at the time and him and his wife were really kind to me. You know, I didn't have a lot of comic experience under my belt and it would have been really more than okay had they chosen to spend some time with other people that were maybe more far along and they could talk more about like their work together. But I remember telling Tom about wanting to work in comics what I wanted to do how excited I was and with the utmost sincerity he took my hand like really gently and his wife and him looked at me and said I just want you to know that comics is really happy to have you and I'm proud you're here and I don't think that even in heaven somebody could tell me something nicer than that at that time it meant so much to me it still means so much to me and I don't know, like, I know there's like all these hypotheticals, but when you've peaked, you've peaked. <laughs> and uh, it was just something I felt like I needed to hear at the time. And I will never forget that. So I hope, you know, if I get to heaven and someone cool greets me at the gate, I hope it's something like, we're happy to have you. Well, that's a sweet way to end things. 
So Stephanie Cook, thank you so much for joining me. And where can folks find you on the socials? Dear Lord, I am terminally online. (laughs) If you see me tweeting and posting photos, I have a deadline and I'm avoiding it. I am on Instagram and Twitter mostly at HelloCookieSpe. And don't you also have a tick-a-ma-talk that you're working on? I do. It's like Hello Cookie, but the O's and Cookie are replaced with zeros because we're reverting back to Xbox gamer tag days. <laughs> and my username was taken. So <sighs> I do post up there, but I usually then link them in Instagram and Twitter. But if that's your thing, I'm on TikToks, Hello Cookie, but Cookie has zeros instead of O's. And if folks want to give you monies? Well, I will never say no to that. I love to not be poor, and I am so often. And again, um, this is where we bring Margaret Atwood back on. Oh, my God. You didn't get to keep that money. <sighs> Should have for damages to my emotional state, but they don't think that's how that works. Everything's just basically on the Twitters and stuff, and, you know, I have a Patreon, but I'm really bad at updating it, so... I feel bad telling people to support me there. So uh, I don't know. Just check out my works. That's all I need. I have the Archie thing coming out in February. So check that out. Yeah, this will probably, you know, it'll come out around then. (laughs) (laughs) Whether this is before or after. This is going to run. It's fine. I think June is when this comes out. So, you know, I did one of those like. I recorded this thing probably in like October and they were like, pick an issue. We're going to discuss it. And picked like the spooky Halloween thing. Cause it was like October, but then it didn't come out until like January, February. Like it was like so far and I just completely had forgotten it existed. And I was like, oh yeah. Okay. So let it ends. Yeah. Well, that's a perfect place to end this. So thank you very much. Thank you. This has been a Comic Book Yeti production. You can find new episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and anywhere podcasts stream. For more information on the Comic Book Yeti, please visit comicbookyeti.com. And for more of Grant, visit grantstoy.com or on Twitter at Grant and Stuff.